don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo. And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds. The spirit of travel, which is really adventure and exploration, is something that is kind of penetrating our everyday lives. We were joined by Maria McKenzie, a social communications manager at Lonely Planet. We spoke to Maria all about millennial and Gen Z attitudes towards travel and how social media is influencing some of the many travel trends happening across the world right now. I think now actually what we're seeing is that box ticking is becoming quite uncool. All this and more coming up. In what ways is social influencing travel trends and our choice of destinations? It's a nice big question to start <laughs> off with. Start with. Um, I think one massive trend that we're seeing this year um, is this real push towards um, becoming a responsible traveller um, and really getting off the touristed path. And that is basically coming out of the fact that we're having this huge discussion about over-tourism um, and how... The world is exposed to so much travel inspiration on a daily basis, largely down to social. And we're traveling more than we ever have before. And that in turn is having an impact on destinations. Um, you know, different destinations are, are having impact, are being impacted in different ways. Um, and so we're really seeing people becoming aware of their impact and then changing the way they travel, changing how they're planning trips um, to become more responsible. And I think it's a really interesting one to look at through the social lens because social media is almost at the heart of it mm. where, mm. you know, people are sharing their experiences on on Instagram daily. Um, people are, you know, talking in Facebook groups, they're talking on Twitter and they're sharing tips and travel as a whole is becoming so much more accessible. Mm. Um, but then on the flip side of that, um, social media is becoming a really important platform to have that debate and really um, become a driving force for change. So people are becoming aware that, you know, all this footfall going through Machu Picchu is damaging mm -hmm. to an effect. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're finding out about that and they're reacting to that and they're changing the way they travel. Um, and that's also having an impact on brands as well. And the way brands approach um, travel and social media as well. That's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, I suppose travel is sort of like, we see social so much wanderlust and it's definitely one of those um, verticals we've said before that yeah. brands really Instagram attach themselves goal, to now, don't they? If yeah. you see a few posts and it just makes you want to go yeah. to that place, especially if you get influencers involved and people, yeah, people yeah. you're close with and you see a destination and you get jealous and you want to go. But it's interesting you say, so that's actually causing or contributing to some issues of overpopulation. But then on the flip side, people are having that debate and having awareness around that also on social. Yeah. Which one do you think is like heavier? Is it helping or hurting? I think it literally is split down the middle. And one thing we always do at Lonely Planet is we really try to arm the traveller with as much information mm -hmm. as possible so yeah. they can make informed travel decisions. And um, responsible travel is always 
something that we're always emphasizing. Mm. Um, so there is an element that it is on the traveler to, you know, ensure that they're really researching the destination mm-hmm. um, and really looking at the impact that they're having and, you know, how they're giving back. Because when you when you go to a destination, if you're investing in their economy and you're, you know, you're experiencing, you're learning, you're better educating yourself, you're meeting people along the way. Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. a lot of really amazing things that come out of travel and travel can be a, a huge, responsible travel can be a huge force for good. Mm. Um, but there are always going to be some downsides. Um, but it's up to us to really, you know, find ways of being more responsible. Yeah, sure. I feel like we've become so much more aware as well in a way of like, you know, just just the environment in general and through travel. and yeah. And one of the interesting stats I've seen saw from the research that Lonely Planet did with uh, Nielsen was that one in 10 consumers now look to uh, Instagram or social media mm. for inspiration to decide where they're traveling to. Yeah. And it's sort of like a massive stat, but in, in a way it's like not that surprising, is it? When you think of all the travel content that's on there. I mean, yeah. what does this mean for like, you know, a brand like Lonely Planet? Because this is obviously a massive kind of explosion of, of sort of travel that we're seeing, especially among millennials and Gen Z. Yeah. I think there's a lot to unpick in that question. Um, But yeah, I think we're seeing um, the way people approach travel is is completely different now. And that's because the spirit of travel, which is really adventure and exploration, is something that is kind of penetrating our everyday lives. So um, I've noticed even in the last week, there's been a lot of people in our social community who have said or hinted at the fact that they're using our content for exploration in their own hometowns. Um, so there's a real change in the way people are approaching travel. And it's not so much, you know, the big trip now. And I mean, obviously, people are still going on the big trip, but people are taking the spirit of travel to their everyday lives and they're exploring every day. So whether that's, you know, finding a new coffee shop or you know, finding like a historical site that's on your doorstep that you never knew about, which it's something I've done a lot recently. Um, it's definitely the approach to travel has definitely changed. Um, and I think with Gen Z and millennials, like millennials definitely um, brought about the whole shift in being uh, valuing experience mm, mm. and travel kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, and then Gen Z have kind of come in and said, well, we want to have the experience, but we want it to be authentic. Mm. And, both of those kind of play really nicely into what we do at Learning Planet because from day dot, we've always been there to provide trusted, uncompromised travel content. Mm, mm. Um, so this is actually like a really exciting time because it's when we can actually come forward with our brand values and say, you know, we love travel. We want to give you all this advice. Um, we know you love to travel. And it's a really exciting time, especially with social media, because there are so many ways that we can reach so many different audiences, Mm. um, which is sometimes overwhelming. But um, (laughs) it's also exciting because we can test things and, you know, respond quite quickly to to the data we get from it. Mm. I'm interested, though, how a travel trend sort of comes about, because I know you guys do loads of... uh, research into that and you and you very much you know take everything you see and I know social has been playing a big part in that for you as well so how do you sort of 
see what people are doing and, and you know, use behaviour to think, right, okay, this is what's going yeah. on now. Sure. So um, if we look at what a trend is, it's basically when um, there's a reaction to an increase in knowledge. Um, so we can see that with over-tourism. The trend is, is that people are travelling more responsibly because in reaction to over-tourism. Um, and something that we release every year is our Best in Travel campaign, which is our biggest campaign of the year. Um, and it's where we release the top 40 destinations that our, our experts say are mm. going to be the best to travel to in the year ahead. And we also look at what travel trends are going to come about in the year ahead. Now, that is a huge task. Um, and it's also because it's our huge, our biggest campaign of the year. Um, it's It also involves a lot of um, departments. Like we literally work across all the departments in the company. And so we have to work quite far ahead. So right now we're working on what is going to be hot in 2020, which... What is? Can you tell us? Feels like, <laughs> afraid not. <laughs> um, you'll find out in October. Um, but yeah, we the way we basically go about that is every January we hold a series of what we call travel hacks. And so we basically host events in all our offices. Um, so that's everywhere from like Melbourne to China to London to Franklin. Um, we get everybody together and we just start the conversation. So it brings basically a set of diverse voices. It's, it includes like our contributors who are out on the road, mm, the people mm. who live in destination. Mm. Um, and we're getting all of their thoughts and opinions. And, you know, the social team is part of that conversation as well. So we can be there to say, well, we're seeing a huge increase in, you know, interest in architecture in Morocco, for mm, example. Mm. And it basically ends up being a huge spreadsheet of so mm. much information um, which then basically gets whittled down. And then we have we have a, a final panel who are um, a group of people who are very well-travelled from all different parts of, of the globe. Um, it also includes Tony Wheeler himself, who is the founder of Lonely Planet, mm -hmm. um, which is quite exciting. Um, and then they whittle it down and then we get the final list. Um, so it's really like trend spotting is all about being immersed in what your audience is saying um, and, you know, being knowledgeable about what is going on in the industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of teaming together, you know, all the, the data and all the stats we get from social, from the industry, you know, all the information we get and then teaming it with what people are talking about, what people are saying. Mm -hmm. And then from that, you can kind of take a step further and then say, well, how are people going to react to that? Because this is a, um, I know as well, uh, something we've both talked about, isn't it, Eve? In, in you know, looking to the comments and what a lot of brands are doing, and I imagine in travel yeah. that that's such a big thing as, as well. Looking that you can see in real time what people are talking about and yeah. make assumptions based on that, and also their content and what they're posting. Because um, I know you do the innovative thing of, of sort of you you guys have sort of cracked Facebook groups, and your Facebook group has like over fifty two thousand people, <laughs> in, doesn't it? Yeah. And that's. It's I, I imagine that's like a hub of trends as well and where you can yeah. sort of find out yeah. what people are. I wonder, it's like the way social media and travel trends combine. Is the social media trends, are they proactive or are they like, are they reactive or are they predictive? I think I think it's a bit of, a bit of both. I always wonder how much it actually informs. Yeah. 
trends that are already that are gonna happen yeah. or if it's just reacting to trends that are already happening be it through other sources there's a bit of bias so I think you know there's been a lot of um, wellness and travel or like foodie travel mm. and that's kind of been born out of the fact of people being you know more aware of how how like general day-to-day well-being yeah. and you know different foodie trends that have come about um, but also um, taking a step back and looking at the travel industry as a whole and what people are enabled to do. Um, so, for example, I remember three or four years ago, any time we would post anything about Iceland on Instagram, it would, like, shoot through the roof. The engagement would be, like, really, really strong. And that was a combination of there were a lot, of, uh, there were a lot more um, flights going to Iceland mm-hmm. and there was a real mm-hmm. push particularly in the US to kind of do a stopover in Iceland before you would like come to Europe. Right. Um, and so it's also looking at those things that are happening in, in the industry as a whole and seeing how people and travellers will respond to that. It's interesting because like you were saying earlier, it's like, like everyone's been to Thailand then yeah, there was Cambodia and yeah. then I noticed Iceland and you're wondering what is causing these like surges where everyone thinks at the same time oh I'm going to go to that place exactly yeah yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely a mixture of a lot of things happening and I think we are always just really tuned into what our audience is saying mm. you know who is get engaging with which mm. product of ours mm. um, and it's also being like part of the industry and really being aware yeah. of you know, what is happening in the accommodation space, what's happening in um, even like the travel insurance space and, mm. you know, all that kind of industry side as well. Yeah, I digressed a bit there, but what? so what kind of um, conversations are taking place in your Facebook group then? I'm interested to know. So, Alpha, so we started our Facebook group about a year ago. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's on just under 55,000 people yeah a lot of conversations to mind through as well you know yeah, and yeah. you consider there are a lot and you do see you see different types of trends um so I think in in the year we've seen we've kind of seen seasonal trends where you know in the run-up to Christmas we're seeing people talk a little bit more about maybe like going to see like Christmas markets mm-hmm. or maybe they're like planning for like their big trip in January um and then we're seeing a lot of smaller trends where we might see like a little flurry of people, you know, start talking about a particular destination mm. or a particular type of travel. Um, and then you see the big trends come into play. So over tourism has been a big topic on the group. And it's the group, um, although is, you know, it's a lot of moderation and it's a lot, it takes a lot of thought and a lot of care. Um, sometimes... I go into that feed and it's just amazing to see how all these like-minded people who are so inspired to travel are sharing tips and helping each other and motivating each other and giving each other confidence. There's a big um, there's a big thing to be said for people, you know, who might be scared to travel solo or yeah. they might be scared of certain destinations or, you know, and the group has proved to be a really nice support network almost. Mm. Um so, yeah, there's a there's a lot of discussion happening on that community. group. <laughs> how much how much of the conversation, like percentage wise, would you say is the members and then you guys? So we kind of um, test this on and off a little bit. Um, 
And we found certain ways of engaging with the group in certain ways that they're not too thrilled about. Um, so we every month we host an Ask LP. Mm -hmm. So we say like, ask us all your questions in this thread, and then we'll we'll go to the experts, like the destination es experts, mm -hmm. or you know wherever whoever we need to talk to in the business, and we'll come back and you know give you your tailor made itinerary if you like. Um, but I would say we're definitely building towards a kind of like. 60% 40% of like 60% nice yeah. letting them kind of talk and engage and connect and then like 40% us saying you know talk to us mm, <laughs> as well yeah. and, be, and there's a lot of you know when people are asking for tips and advice that's a great place for us to say like oh well we would recommend this yeah. or you know have like we've got this article that's got the 10 best places to go and have ice cream um, so like make sure you check one of these out yeah kind of this, so. this is this seems to me like such a valuable um sort of case study for brands to think about Facebook groups yeah, as well definitely. because it's like you know when we think about Facebook groups maybe you've got your sort of local park runners club you know what I mean but yeah. really this is like this is brands you know it's, it's, it's I guess it's created another sort of channel for you to test content and yeah. to, you yeah. know find your best audiences and acquisitions in a way yeah and it's also it's a really nice place because we know they're invested in the brands and they're invested in our community mm -hmm. that we can go out there and say we want your feedback so tell yeah. us what do you want to see on the feeds we sometimes like run surveys on there so we'll say you know what do you think of our content that we've got online like what would you like to see more of what would you like to see less mm -hmm. of and it becomes a really nice round table of people. Yeah, you can stop being a, a bit of a like show pony on social yeah. in a group, I feel like <laughs> yeah. it is just a little bit more down to earth because like, you're just part of that community yeah. like them, which is it's, like rare. I'd say it's also very scary for people who are behind the handles because you have to become a public person in mm, the group. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so you do open yourself to, you know, people messaging you um, and, you know, directly like... Um, uh, like presenting questions to you yeah. and tagging you and things mm. and stuff like that. So you do definitely have to be ready for that. Mm. <laughs> um, but actually it's a really good way to just keep in tune with what is being said and mm. the conversations mm. that are happening. Mm. The um, the slight, uh, how can I say, the, the critic in me in a way. Um, Here he is. For, for people <laughs> who uh, sort of look at social and say, because I mean, look, we can talk about influencers now and talk about because um, this was a trend, I suppose, of influencers going to destinations and them sort of being box ticking exercises in a way. Yeah. And it's like you know, it came up in conversation briefly earlier. It's like, oh, I won't go to Thailand now. Everybody goes to Thailand, or I don't go to you know, you know, it, it's this uh, idea of um, destinations being throwaway almost. Is that a trend yeah. that you've seen, or or is that? Do you think that's uh, the sort of public perception? But when, you know, because I know you work closely with influencers, that's not really yeah. what it's like. I think um, it kind of ties into the whole over-tourism side of things. Mm, so mm. I think there was a point where, you know, a lot of iconic places were becoming, you know, like, I need to tick that box. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, this person's been there. I can follow in their footsteps. Yeah. Um, but I think now actually what we're seeing is that box ticking is becoming quite uncool. Right, um, right, that's interesting. And social media is unlocking that and it's saying we may almost get to a point where people, you know, see somebody post something from Machu Picchu and actually it's not a, wow, that's cool. It's like 
that um, natural sight is, you know, that having a big impact, like it's feeling the impact of right, footfall going right. through there. Yeah. Um, people are becoming very, resp- it goes back to what you were saying about people becoming very responsible. Yeah. It almost seems like... It's like tra- goes off the other end. It's, I think that the same happened with food. Yeah. Like everyone started going out like to various food places, yeah. like various brunch places, yeah. and all of a sudden you'd get like, oh, do you know like they actually don't have like fair trade or whatever? Yeah, and yeah. Like, oh, do you know that dairy farming is bad and stuff Social's like that? People, people like start that, criticizing the trends yeah. if they become too trendy. Yeah. I mean, social yeah. has unlocked a lot of knowledge though as well Mm. and it's unlocked a lot of places that actually you know really wanted tourism or really needed tourism and now you can actually um you know go off the beaten track go off the touristed path and go to places that you know are not in those box Mm. they're not in those boxes Mm. yeah um and that's almost cooler in a way because you know you're you're being the real explorer and you're you're taking that spirit of travel and really immersing yourself in it. Yeah, definitely. What is what is it about our need for wanderlust? I wonder if you can shed some light on that, Maria, and and what you were saying about, you know, people taking this travel isn't just travel anymore. People are taking yeah. this concept of travel in their daily lives. What what is it about you know, you know, because on the on the face of it it's living your best life, but there's the undertones to it. How how yeah. is that? Um I think the drivers of wanderlust so Overall, I think tra- responsible travel can be a huge force for good. And we are very much, at Lonely Planet and myself, is very much of the opinion that the more we travel, the more educated we are, the more accepting we are as mm. a society, mm. the more understanding we are, the more people we meet, the more diverse voices that we speak to, the more we understand. Um, and we're obviously not to trail off into a political um train of thought but you know we are in a very um stormy political context Mm -hmm. and travel can really break down barriers Mm. and I think that's something that really drives people to travel um but also I think people really have found their own personal motivators Mm -hmm. to travel um and socials really unlocked that um because you know I can go through a spate of following you know like 50 different yogis on Instagram and I really love yoga and but you know in a month's time I might be like oh actually I'm getting a bit bored of that like Mm, I'm going to try another interest Um, and you almost you can have a look and see you know what hobbies suit you and what social has then done is you you found your interests you found your motivators and travel has kind of come in the background that it's coming through the back door and it's you know, I'll be following a yogi and then when I see them practicing in like a really nice retreat in the Atlas Mountains, mm, I'm mm. like, oh, that's cool. Like, I want to go there and do that. Yeah. So I think everybody has their own personal motivators um, and socials unlock that. But yeah, I think w- uh, our drive to Wonderlust is all about understanding, learning and like breaking down barriers, really. Yeah. Do, do you think that some people's personal motivators may just be doing it for the gram, like the aesthetics <laughs> of the place. There is that phrase, for yeah. the gram, I doing I it for the gram. I that 
oh, it was a while ago now, a few months, it was like 40%, I think, of millennials, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, 40% of millennials chose a holiday destination based on how Instagrammable it was. Yeah. And I saw yeah. that, and one part of me was like, what? And then the other part was like, no, that's actually really believable. Because I because do, you it. do it. Because you do it. <laughs> I'm not so bad anymore, but I have done it in the past. Did, where, where, where was it you went? Was it Amsterdam so where you I looked for the Instagram spots? I was going to go to Amsterdam because I was visiting my friend. So I didn't decide to go because it's an Instagrammable place. But once I knew I was going, I sought out Instagrammable spots. Yeah. Which is weird because like you said earlier as well, how people have started doing it, not just on trips they have planned abroad, but in their own spaces yeah. as well on their doorstep. After I did that, I was like, why haven't I done that for Manchester? And I had a little look about what was around in Manchester and I found a few spots that I wouldn't have otherwise stumbled across uh, across so it's got some positives as well yeah he's just I mean, silently judging me now <laughs> <laughs> no well I think you've hit the nail on the head there in that it although it is driving people to places where the infrastructure may not be in place to support that f- amount of footfall um there's also really positive things because now you've been around Manchester you've learned about different places around mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. You know, you've got more knowledge and you've got more knowledge to share with somebody else. And you probably understand Manchester better, I'm guessing, like yeah. in certain ways. You know, if someone asked me if there's somewhere nice to go and visit, yeah, I'd be like, oh, I know, I know the right spot. Well, I knew that. I knew the library. It was like, <laughs> more like your little hole in the walls and like that kind of yeah, like, hid, yeah. hidden gems, I mean. which yeah. I think yeah. is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I've done the same because yeah. I have recently bought a house um, and... I've lived in this area a lot my whole life and I've never been to see like certain, we've got really like, there's a park where Henry VIII used to hunt and we have a pub that used to be the butchers that used to like cut up the meat and serve it to Henry VIII. Wow. Um, And I never knew that before. And so then I started doing a bit of research and then, you know, and then before you know it, you're like, oh, actually I'm... I'm just going to go to the pub and have a drink there because it's got, you know, a really interesting bar. Yeah, you find your new famous bar. Yeah. One of the questions um, our producer, Ollie, um, was very keen to ask as well because we're all all obviously very aware of the Lonely Planet brand and, you know, the history in terms of the uh, travel guides. Yeah. Have you uh, is it, have you have you taken a decision or is there a decision to incorporate elements of social more within those in certain places? Yeah. So we we're, we're forty seven years old, um, and we have always been most known for our guides because that's what we built the brand on. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, in forty seven years, the landscape, the travel landscape, the digital landscape has completely changed and it's forced us as a publisher to evolve and change. Mm. Um, and that's that's been really exciting. Um, and I think we take the approach with all of our content that we're always putting the traveler at the heart of everything that mm. we do. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's the most important way to look at it. Um, so we're always adapting our content. Um, we, uh, we've actually got a series of online articles that are the most Instagrammable places in you know, nice. I'll be checking that yeah, out later. Yeah, straight on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. I think that's interesting. How it's not only uh, informing how you behave on social, but social can actually bring. Yeah. I don't want to say like breathe new life into old mm, things because obviously mm. there's a lot of people that still read and enjoy things like yeah. that. But definitely, yeah, like you said, just being adaptable. Yeah. One thing that we do at Lonely Planet is we look at each. Um, channel each social channel as 
its own thing mm. and its own community. So we really get to grips with the audience. Um, we, you know, look at all the what they're engaging with, all the engagement data. We look at what they're saying. We're like we're involved in those conversations with mm. them. Then we look at how people are actually using the platform on a, on a wider basis. Mm. Then we take our messages and then we find the most engaging ways to to, to share them. Yeah. So our audience is always kind of our guiding light um, in the way that we present things. And a lot of the content you see across all of our channels, you know, is either in the process of being tested and it's evolving or mm. it's something mm. that, you know, we've evolved over time and our audience really respond to it. I'm curious, what is your demographic? Mostly or roughly? We, so we've got such a big portfolio of products. So we've got, you know, our guidebooks, we've got our magazine, we've got our website, we've got our social channels, and they're all completely different. Mm. And the beauty of travel is that it is in, ev it's in our everyday lives yeah, it's now. it's relevant to mm, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. far-reaching. Yeah. So I think, you know, if we went back like 10 years, like we would have a very specific demographic. But now travel is such a daily conversation it becomes a little bit more platform focused. Mm. So I know the biggest demographic we're reaching on Snapchat, for example, is our like 13 to 34s, which is quite a big age group, but mm. there are different subjects that resonate with different parts of that age group. Um, and so we really look at it platform by platform mm. or like product by product. Oh, that's very interesting. Well, so, social is obviously a massive part of it. I, I saw some of the work that you did uh, and research into the future of travel as well. So there's this idea of augmented experiences yeah. and, and VR and stuff like that. Can you tell me a bit about that and, and what's... Yeah, so there is a lot happening in the industry. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things about AR and and you know, that kind of bringing destinations to you rather than going there. Um, it's a really interesting space and it's one that um, I can say Lonely Planet is interested in um, and to watch this space for more technology oh, and digital yeah. excitement yeah. coming. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm keen to say as well because um, in terms of the experience and I think if, you know, if you went back 20 years ago and and, and well, you know, if you went back 20 years ago and told somebody what social was, they'd probably say, no, you can't, how can you communicate an offline yeah. experience yeah. like online? And, and obviously we've seen mm. so many ways of doing that. Yeah, you can. Does that sort of, does it take away part of the experience if you're not there or is travel changed in such a way that it becomes... Uh, I think actually being immersed in a digital way actually makes you want to travel more. Right, right. Yeah. Um, because... You almost, you know, you can sit with a headset on and look around and be in a, in, I don't know, a forest, like a rainforest in Borneo or something. But actually being there and actually like hiking through it and seeing like wildlife like firsthand, mm. completely different experience. And, you know, even like the smells, like I, I am a, um, <laughs> I am a huge fan of Disneyland. Um, and, there is a smell that I associate with Disneyland. So when you walk down Main Street and there's a bakery and um, they are always, you know, like baking like cookies and it, there's a very sweet, like almost coconutty, like bakery smell. Wow. Whenever I smell that, it takes me like straight, I'm, I'm there, like in my head, I'm, I'm back in Disneyland. And I think, you know, we go out, we travel, we experience these things and there are th 
there are things that we subconsciously feel mm. and mm. and you know smell or hear and then in our everyday life sometimes we can be taken back like yeah. so so quickly when we get a whiff of it you say like experiencing an environment in vr wouldn't necessarily be able to fill those gaps for you yeah like a lot of people would worry that you experience that and then you don't actually want to go to the place because it's like oh, i've already seen it in mm. 3d why would mm. i why yeah. would i pay for flights now but it could actually make you want to go more because you want the full experience yeah that would be my personal take on it yeah it's no, just I can going back to sensory sensory and i think that's maybe that's a lesson for travel um you know across the board it's that what nothing, you know, because we talk about travel and we talk about talk about travel in the same way we talk about food a lot, I suppose. Yeah. In in, yeah. in terms of there's that sensory. So you can look at a great picture, but you, you want to eat it. Like. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, <laughs> and that's what interests me most about Instagram, and I'm sure you guys see it, Maria, as well, is that it's so um, it's so visual. It's nothing else. Here you've got sand, you've got this as well, but the the, the visual sort of is enough to to drive yeah. this sort of idea of. Yeah, it. I mean, Instagram is a big visual motivator, but all the other platforms are enabling travellers in different ways. Mm. One thing we've actually found on Instagram is every Monday we do a story called Lonely Planet's Guide To, mm. and it's where we'll take like a big travel subject and we'll break it down and make it into like an entertaining story. And at first we trialled it um, and thinking, let's just see how it goes. And we've been doing it for about three months and we found that it, is the story hands down that we get more engagement from because we I must be doing well I think three months is quite a long mm. a long time to keep like one content pillar go which sounds daft but like it is yeah like and and you know it's something we've tested and changed and evolved um over three mm. months um but it's the engagement we get back from it is amazing I just want to pick up on something that you mentioned to us um when we spoke on the phone, I think, about the whole trend of people getting their DNA results through yeah. and that actually being a motivator to yeah. travel to new places. So one of the trends um, that we started seeing on social media and it's actually, it's in our best in travel list this year, um, is yeah people basically retracing their, their heritage um, through travel. And this kind of come about because we'd created a, a series of videos where we'd sent three of our destination editors um, to basically explore what the heritage is, heritage is. Um, and they went back and they travelled back to, you know, where their ancestry was. Mm. We put those videos out on social with kind of, um, you know, we were trying it, like testing it and seeing how, how it went. And actually the engagement just came out of nowhere mm. and it was competing with like some of our best um, content at the time. And so then I started looking at conversations that were being had and what, you know, the influencers that we work with, what they were posting and how people were responding with them. And we were seeing that a lot of people were getting DNA testing kits, finding, you know, that, oh, maybe I'm like 20% Spanish and then going, oh, I'm going to I'm going to book a trip and I'm going to go and, you know, have a I'm going to go to Madrid and like, I'm going to try tapas and I'm going to really like immerse myself in my own heritage. Yeah. Um, and that's something we've seen as it was it was quite a, a boom of a trend almost mm -hmm. because there was a lot of content, a lot of um, people posting about it. But we're actually seeing like people actually going on the trips now and they're coming back and going like, you know, I mean, I've done it. I went my my nan was actually born in New York and we 
I found the place where she used to live. And we like went and I was like snapping photos and then I brought it back and I was like, Nan, look, this is where you used to live. And she was like, (gasps) It's cool. You found a way to get people to have an affinity with the places that they're visiting. Yeah. Not just on like, oh, that's nice. I want to go kind of level, but on a very personal level. It's almost one step further than the like travel travel like a local mm. phrase because that that's that's it isn't it that was such a massive uh trend as well isn't it the, and that then that's been that's something that's preceded social media i suppose that need to yeah travel like a local yeah be, do as the locals do uh, you know eat in the same places they do as well it, it seems to me um and the trend as well that we've seen like the rise of Airbnb and stuff like that is that people want more from their travel and that's seen yeah. in the pivots that they, they do. Is that is that true? That, that we sort of I it think, doesn't just start and never travel anymore? Yeah, I think well, if I look back when I was a kid, I remember we used to go to the travel we'd spend like one Saturday afternoon, go to the travel agent, have the brochures, you'd, mm, you'd have your inspiration yeah. and then you'd you'd book it and then you'd go and then you'd you'd share your trip and you know, you share your pictures afterwards. And now social media has kind of opened up this whole, it's completely disrupted the travel cycle. So where it was quite linear before, now, you know, we've, we kind of spend a lot of time in the inspiration phase and then we might see that, oh, like an airfare is really cheap. So we'll like jump to the booking phase and then we'll go back to the inspiration phase and then we might not do any planning. Um, And so I think it's just, it's a mixture of the way people are approaching travel um, and everybody wants something different out of it, but definitely the experiential and the authenticity side of it is really coming into its own. And people mm. people don't want to go to the south of Spain and sit in a beachfront restaurant which is serving fish and chips. Mm. They want to go and stay in a really cool local village and they want to eat paella and they want to meet the locals and they want to see what that life is like. I think that's a good thing as well because there's nothing that yeah. annoys me more than seeing people who go on holiday, go to the resort and stay in the resort <laughs> for the entire holiday that you've paid to go sit by the pool. And you, you've been there 10 times already. Absolutely bug on the Yeah, it's like, oh, we, we go here every year. Never That's, leave the hotel. That, that is such an because this is, I want to sort of round this up with um, something you said earlier again as well, the difference between millennial travel and Gen Z travel as well. And this is, you know, a big trend we've seen as well. Um, the sort of, as the disappearance of 18 to 30s holidays and mm. 20s holidays and, and, and those sorts of packages. Yeah, is that a... Would you say that's a trend that's been directly um, influenced by millennial and Gen Z need for um, authenticity? Because I, I don't know, maybe is is Marbella still cool? Well, Marbella's always been right. cool, but is Zanti <laughs> and these places? Yeah, uh, thinking back to my lad's holidays here. <laughs> um, potentially. I think people are just more aware of different places they can go now mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot more acceptance of maybe going a little bit further out of your comfort zone yeah um, and but you know all through all parts of the travel industry stuff is changing so cruising which was always traditionally thought of as you know a, a much older demographic mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of cruise lines now that are creating experiences that are f- specifically aimed at Millennials mm-hmm. so they're making you know like really Instagrammable 
parts of like their their ships so people are going like <laughs> taking photos and <laughs> what <laughs> your face um and you know it's making cruising cool yeah um and things you know hotels are doing the same thing where you know typically it would have been thought 10 years ago that you know a, a 20 year old wouldn't necessarily go and stay in like a you know a very chain hotel mm. Mm. um now they're creating like really Instagrammable um, restaurants and places for them to, you know, share on social. Do you think that this trend of people, or young people specifically, seeking out their own like holiday packages, like they don't just let the whole thing get yeah. booked for them anymore, they're picking their own flight and then their own hotel and doing the research yeah. themselves. Do you think that's put the power back into the hands of these like independent smaller businesses like hotels and restaurants and cafes because it's now on them to attract the the tourists to them yeah it's definitely diversified and it goes a little bit back to the travel cycle being completely disrupted mm. and how you know you can get your you can, you can get plans you can get inspiration and ideas from so many different sources mm. um you can get them from guidebooks, you can get them from a magazine, you can get them from influencers, you get them from your friends and family who mm. have just, mm. you know, been away. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think there are just so many ways of, of getting travel inspiration now that it's almost easier for you to, to plan your own trip and tailor it to yeah. your own interests and your own motivations. That's interesting. What, that? what advice would you have then for other travel brands who are seeking to respond to that kind of shift? I think you have to um, really get to grips with the audience that you speak to um, and really know um, what you have to offer and find engaging ways to communicate that to them. Mm. Um, I think it's all in the audience, like listening to your audience and, you know, whether that's an audience that you haven't quite got yet or your current audience, um, I think it's it's all in all in the listening and really looking at the data and the engagement that you've got and then you you pair you know what your message is and what uh, you want to achieve and you do it in the most engaging way possible which you'll only know if you talk to your audience yeah. and you engage with them or something maybe like groups can be so valuable for that yeah, conversation exactly. it's a lesson for everybody isn't yeah. it um Really, really got to wrap up. One final, final point I just want to ask you. We talked about travel brands. Do you have one um, sort of takeaway for other brands out there who are, you know, trying to align themselves with travel who may not necessarily be traditional travel mm. brands? Yeah, I think travel penetrates everything now. Um, so it's very easy to find a hook for any brand to really um, be in, in the travel space. Um so yeah, I think it's it's really about um, it co goes back to what you want to achieve as a brand. Mm, mm. You know, why do you want to speak to travellers? What do you, like is it that you want you want them to take your product on a trip with them, or is it that you want them to use it before a trip or after a trip mm. or whatever? Um, and it's looking at you know how you best speak to them. Identifying that alignment, yeah. fantastic. It seems Lovely. like a good place to end it. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I'm really in the mood for a holiday now. I've been speaking to you. I've got it. But yeah. Nowhere, nowhere uncool, though. You know what I mean? Just go and find somewhere. the most Instagrammable places on Portland Street and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. don't have to travel too far. A couple of kebab shops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Thank you ever so much yeah, for it. Yeah, thank you. Know? you.
This has been the Social Minds Podcast with Theo, Eve and music by Pierre Flass. 